0: Hey everyone, Chris here. Just a word before we get started. You're about to hear an episode of Fangent. It is one of our Patreon exclusive shows. The best way to describe it is it's what we're talking about when we're not talking about Quantum Leap. And I just wanted to give you a warning before we got started. There is some profanity in this episode, so don't be shocked when you hear the occasional F-bomb. Also, if you like what you hear, listen through to the end, and I will tell you how to access more Patreon-exclusive content. On with the show. And Merry Christmas, everyone. I'm Christopher D. Philippus. I'm
1: Allison Pregler.
0: And I'm Matt Dale. And we welcome you to this very special edition of Fangent. It's a Christmas edition of Fangent, the first of what I hope are many Christmas editions of Fangent. So, hey guys, I'm so glad that we were able to get on mic and get this done before the holiday. I wanted to drop it as a surprise for all of the Patreon supporters. And I'm also thinking about putting it out on the main feed for everyone to enjoy so Aww. let's bring our christmas a game
1: i can serve nothing less <laughs>
2: <laughs> i've been feeling Christmassy for weeks i've got a lot of pent-up christmasness and i'm in england the home of christmas it's it's all dickensian outside it's got to be so cozy and vintage looking you know yes yeah yeah we suddenly go back to victorian times every christmas <laughs>
0: And I have a couple of burning questions that I want to ask the resident Brit. Oh God! What, in fact, is Boxing Day?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no! Don't It's like I I used to know this. There there is like there's there's well it's a public holiday, but there is a reason for it. And there's there's British people listening who are shocked and embarrassed that I don't know. No, it's one of those things that ninety nine percent of Brits don't know and the only people that do know are people like me that got curious one day and looked it up on Wikipedia. And I did that years ago because I'm research boy, and I love knowing this kind of stuff, but unfortunately right now I don't. During this recording, I will look it up. I will, <laughs> share, I will drop some knowledge, because honestly, I can't, it's it's just a public holiday, um, but it, it, there's a reason it's called Boxing Day, and you can hear me clacking, clacking now.
1: <laughs> I hope it involves like kangaroos with boxing gloves, personally. <sighs>
0: I really thought it was going to be, like, some... Oh, well, Boxing Day is because it's been on every calendar I've ever seen my whole life. And it's, like, usually the day after Christmas. So I'm like, what the hell is Boxing Day?
2: So it's... uh, Traditionally, it's the day where you give gifts to the poor or to your employees. The actual... Name seems to have. Uh, I know. I'm. I am looking this up on Wikipedia. I'm sorry. Um, the the name has um, numerous potential origins. No one's really sure, but it could be something to do with a nice Christmas box or something like that.
1: So, so it's just sort of like a mini Christmas. It's another. You know, yeah. you, you give gifts to people.
2: It's like, a, yeah, Christmas Day is for family, and then Boxing Day is for the the poor, scummy people that work for you. Okay. <laughs> And no marsupial fisticuffs in sight, is what you're telling us. <laughs> I'm afraid not. <laughs> but no, but Boxing Day is leftover turkey day these days, and it's a Black Friday-type day. Shops open up with ridiculous discounts. Okay, cool. My second question. Have you ever, in fact, had a figgy pudding? <laughs> I have never had figgy pudding.
1: Aha! <laughs> fake Brit! <laughs> <laughs> Is that a British thing? What the hell? I mean, it would be pudding with fig in it, yeah?
2: I assume so. We all like figgy pudding, we all like figgy pudding, we all like figgy pudding. So, (laughs) yeah. No, I've never tried it.
1: (laughs) Sorry. Hey, here's the the question you've never heard. It's a real chuckler. You ever eaten (laughs) spotted dick?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I've also never had spotted dick. Um,
0: That can't be a thing.
2: Mm. Oh, it's a thing.
1: You've never heard of Spotted Dick?
2: <laughs> no, thankfully.
1: I mean, I have now, I guess. <laughs> it's it's also a pudding, though, right? Like something with... Yeah. With Is it with blood sausage, or I'm completely mixing it up with something else? I, uh,
2: probably. I, I don't know. Let's look it up. What is Spotted Dick? <laughs> I really hope there's no Brits listening to this right now. I was going to say, Matt, all... do you know any British information?
1: <laughs> He's been lying to us.
2: Not the kind of stuff that Americans want to know. That's the thing. There's, like, this stereotypical stuff that you guys obsess about. You probably all assume that I know the royal family um, to to the nth degree, and I have no idea. I could name, like, two members of the royal family. But I think there's this assumption that Brits probably all know the second cousin of the third heir to the throne. Uh, no. No. We don't. Nor do I know what spotted dick is, but it is made with suet and dried fruit, and it looks quite nice. I might have had spotted dick actually.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's it's a pudding that's got uh uh raisins or dried currants in it.
2: But did you say suet? Yes. What is suet? Uh it's the raw hard fat of beef or mutton found around the loins and kidneys. So this is a savory pudding, I see. Okay. With currants.
1: Oh, it has it has meat in it? This doesn't look like it has any in the recipe I'm looking at. Recipe I'm looking at's just the pudding and the dried fruit.
0: Maybe there are various versions of spotted tick.
2: Yeah, maybe. Well, suet's so, so kind of it it's suet's so just this stodgy stuff. It's not really it's it's borderline so it's certainly not sweet. So maybe it's more of a, a gelatin. Yeah, it wouldn't make because um, we we have suet for dumplings, which is a I do have dumplings quite often, and that's made from suet, and that it, that's definitely savory. Oh,
1: it's it says mutton fat, so it's yeah. it's basically like if you cook anything with, you know, beef fat or what, like you know, it's not necessarily like savory. It's just that's where the fat comes from.
2: Yeah, it it wouldn't in itself make a sweet pudding savory. Just makes it a bit stodgy. It does look good, though. It it does. I think I, I feel like I may have had some. Yeah, you
1: have. <laughs> Maybe you had some, but, but it wasn't called that, because people are like, Spotted Dick's a stupid name. Eat your pudding.
2: Well, reportedly, <laughs> restaurant staff in the House of Parliament have renamed it Spotted Richard, according to, again, according to... Uh, Oh, Sky News. According to Sky News a few months ago, Sky Sky News were reporting on this in August. There's more important things going on in the world right now. Sky News, what are you doing?
1: That can't possibly be real. That sounds like an article from The Onion.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Actually, no, to be fair, Wikipedia retrieved it a few months ago. This is a 2018 article. There was nothing interesting going on in 2018.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No one calls it a Spotted Richard, though. That's dumber than calling it Spotted Dick.
2: I know, it is. Uh, I'm
1: sure people would be like, it's just pudding. Eat your pudding. Your raisin pudding. You can't have any pudding if you don't eat your meat.
2: Pink Floyd fan. Conservative MP Michael Fabricant could not believe the reported change. He wrote on Twitter, call a dick a dick, I say. (laughs) This is is the important stuff our MPs do. (laughs) Of all the ways
0: I thought our Christmas special would go, this was nowhere on the
2: radar. Spotted dick we are making penis jokes
1: that's probably not even like a, a christmas dish right spotted dick <laughs> not not especially i mean putting in general right it's kind of a christmasy thing
2: Yeah, but I think Chris just wanted to use the opportunity to pick my brains about all things British that he's been waiting to ask for, (laughs) what, three years now? Um, I'm not
0: not exactly an angliophile, but I am a big fan of Christmas, and of course I read Dickens. And, you know, I do like to get steeped in some of the Victoriana that surrounds the holidays. So whenever I think of like a traditional Christmas, I still threaten every year to make a goose. And my <laughs> wife is like, nobody's going to want to eat a goose. Forget the goose. I'd eat it. I'm like, no, one year I'm going to make a goose. i
1: need a goose. So would I, right? That sounds delicious. <laughs> Sorry to any vegetarians <laughs> listening.
2: That's another one of those things that the, the traditional British Victorian Christmas, I think, is more of a dream outside the UK than it is within we're just like yeah. I'm sure there's there's some of our listeners from within the UK get yeah all excited about the Victorian elements, but most of that I think most of that is coming from outside our shores.
1: One time I was watching a uh, a Christmas special on Amazon Prime that was like traditional British Christmas and these subtitles were wild because whoever was watching it was like I don't understand British at all and so like (laughs) there would constantly be like unintelligible or whatever like they couldn't tell what was being said and I'm like it is not that hard they're just using an English accent it's not like they're like oh cool blimey it's just like (laughs) here's a traditional British Christmas (laughs) it was wild that
2: wasn't bad Hmm.
1: oh thank you It was talking about, like, there was some Christmas square or something and some, like, shopping market or something. It was – it seemed nice.
0: That was my next question for you, Matt. Christmas markets. Is that a big thing in the UK? Because I
2: know that there are a lot of famous European Christmas markets. So – I would definitely say, uh, hang on. When did this edition of Fangent become Question the Brit? I was not. I, I wasn't planned for this. That's, that's fine. That's good.
1: Christmas is so weird to us. Tell us yeah. about your
2: Christmas. <laughs> Tell us about your
1: strange ways,
0: Matt. This was not meant to put you on the spot. I just. No, I, fine. It's your, good. It can be in your personal
2: experience. Are they a big deal? So, Christmas markets, I would say, in our part of the world, are a massive thing in Germany particularly. And in my lifetime, we have started to take on the traditional German Christmas market in the UK, but still keeping that very German feel, which for a country that will be exiting the European Union in 11 days is horrendously (laughs) ironic. Um, But let's not get political. So we we are definitely yeah we I, I over the last forty years I've seen um, a move towards Christmas markets, but it has been with quite a, a European bent rather than anything particularly British.
1: It sounds so charming, though, a Christmas market.
2: Yeah, there's a wonderful one in Hyde Park um, called Winter Wonderland, which we go to as a family every year, and the whole of Hyde Park gets gated off, and it's this massive uh, Christmas market with sausages, mainly German sausages, they do do the best sausages, various meats being cooked by fire, mulled wine, um, rides for the kids, uh, lights, it's beautiful, obviously completely non-existent this year, um, but Yeah, it's an amazing experience. They really go all out. But it's all modelled on the German tradition. Um, Germans do Christmas so much better than we do. (laughs) But we're getting there. We're learning from them. We're stealing all of the best cultural stuff. We we love a bit of cultural appropriation. (laughs) It's what we do
1: best well kind of feels like it's like all of the european countries you guys can you just go back and forth so easy you know like you can just travel like two blocks and then you're down in germany and then you're like you know it it, it just seems like everything kind of like um merges together uh you know yes nicely
2: yes yes sore point allison sore points but thank you. i'm
1: sorry i didn't mean to i didn't mean to bring you down
2: That's all right. (laughs) I'd be trying to get all my European travelling in the next eleven days, but uh, most of them are now uh, refusing to allow us in since we've discovered a a lovely new strain of coronavirus. Jesus, anyway, yes. So,
0: (laughs) hey, everyone!
2: (laughs) Isn't this the most festive thing you've ever heard? So that's british christmas anyway it's um the the victorian thing is not really a thing for us so much um but the german thing is definitely um it's massively taking off i would say which is very cool because i love meat cooked by fire
1: there's like a traditional um german restaurant uh in a town uh, a little ways away from me because this is a big like um amish area and Amish are like big into like German cooking and stuff, oh, and uh, yeah. yeah, so this is not exactly it, well it's not Christmas related at all, but uh I like going there. They have these big Bavarian pretzels, but they're like yeah. stuffed with cream cheese in the middle of it. <sighs> it is so nice. good
2: nice It's almost
0: like an Amish blint, nice. <laughs> Laura and I have always wanted to go to a European Christmas market. That's why I asked. She actually introduced me to the whole the whole concept of them. I never knew they even existed. Mm. And she discovered that there is a traditional Christmas market in Quebec, in Canada, in oh. the old city. So um, we had been to Quebec once before in the spring. And um, she said, you want to go for the Christmas market? And I was like, hell yeah. Mm. And we got there. It was never above 12 degrees. That was the balmiest day
2: that we had.
0: <laughs> but it was, it was just so amazing. It was so quaint. And like you said, Matt, there's just like this feeling of, um, with the mulled wine and, and the, yeah. and the cooking. Not, not so much the meats there, even though I found some, some good like rabbit and stuff, which, you know, I'm not going to get in the States, but, um, waffles were a big thing.
1: You can't get rabbit in the States?
0: Uh, let's put it this way there was a lot of game meat readily available in the market that i would have to seek out here oh i see or go to a specialty store and there it was right there for the taking. <laughs> just um, makes
1: it seem like you're just <laughs> stuffing your hands into piles of meat like <laughs> <laughs> mm,
0: gamey. taking
1: big bites <laughs>
0: that's chris so i'd recommend going to the christmas market in quebec
1: a giant turkey leg the size of your head. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just call me Henry the Eighth. <laughs> so yeah, I was I was curious about the Victorian stuff too. Like I said, Matt, um, it's it's sort of the Dickensian in me. Yeah. I think the first book I ever bought was A Christmas Carol with my own money at like a book fair at school, uh, and I still have it. I still have the copy of it. It's like cracked <gasps> and old, but. Mm. You know, I it's like got pride of place because it's been mine for as long as I can remember. And I usually read a Christmas carol once a year. I read it every season. I haven't this year because I've just been so busy. But, um, yeah, um, I have a very definite idea of what Christmas must be like for you that has nothing to do with reality. At all.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't let me uh, ruin that image for you. If, if you want to picture it like that, feel free to. <laughs> all right. So I didn't mean to put you on the spot to begin with, Matt. No, that's fine. It's a it's a good topic.
0: I've been hitting you with some rapid fire questions, but uh, what are you fangenting about this Christmas? What's the topic you brought to discuss?
2: I, I think have, have we all coincidentally end up coming with the same thing because I feel like Alison and I have come with the same thing because I just generally wanted to talk about Christmas specials in sci fi shows, and what a disaster they usually are. Uh. <laughs>
1: well, let, let's springboard into that. Are you talking about Doctor Who every
2: year? I,
1: uh, what about that town named Christmas? Ooh, that one was bad. Oh,
0: don't. Yeah. <laughs> Was that when Matt Smith got old, and then he got yes. like seventeen
1: new regenerations? I think that was near the end of of when I was watching Doctor Who. <laughs> so
2: here's here's the thing, All right, You've you've brought up Doctor Who, so let's just jump straight in with that.
1: That's a traditional British Christmas, right there, Doctor Who every year.
2: Uh, since 2005, yeah. Um. So, but but here's the thing, and th- and this That's fifteen this, this is years
1: the... ago, man. Damn <laughs> you! Oh, shut
2: up! Oh my god! But here's here's the thing about genre show Christmas specials. And Doctor Who is a great example of this. They quite often, they know that there's a a good chance that there'll be people watching the show that have never watched before just because, oh, it's Christmas, let's put something ridiculous on the TV while we all have a drink and watch it in the background. And it's a great opportunity for picking up new viewers. So, so often... Um, and Doctor Who certainly does this, they step completely outside their norm and completely outside any story arcs that are going on and dumb down a bit for the the half-drunken crowd and create something that is a watered-down version of its former self. Now, the interesting thing I find about Doctor Who, so I'm so glad you, you, you used that example, is the Russell T. Davies era of Doctor Who, when when the Christmas specials for Doctor Who started, were already quite kind of... they. They were simple family stories, and I—I I don't mean any disrespect for that. I love the Russell T Davies era of Doctor Who, which meant for me the Christmas specials were just so freaking dumb. <laughs> um, I—I I just couldn't. Stephen Stephen Moffat comes in and makes the storyline so complex. Normally, I actually really like the Christmas specials because suddenly there's they're actually watchable TV as opposed to being quite unnecessarily complicated.
1: Oh yeah. The Moffat era. But, y- you know, the the uh, the first uh, Doctor Who I ever saw was the, uh, the David Tennant Christmas one with all the trees and shit.
2: <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. And you, you kept watching. Amazing. <laughs> well, I
1: don't think I... I didn't know what it was. I just remembered, like, there were trees attacking people <sighs> and there was some backstory going. I didn't really have any context what Doctor Who was either. And so, like... They were talking about regeneration and stuff, and I'm like well, this must be a sequel to something <laughs>
2: <laughs> but but, and that that's that's why they, so that's that's a prime example that's you you're that target audience of oh it's Christmas I'll just watch this and they just have to assume brand new audience let's not do anything too complicated and let's reintroduce everything as best we can and yeah. it, it's not just Doctor Who that suffers from that theres there's loads of examples of it but um uh there's one doctor who christmas special that i love but the rest of them generally it's particularly the russell t Davies one's not so good and it interests me the last couple of specials have moved to the new year And there's a surprising amount of outcry in Doctor Who fandom that we have lost our beloved Christmas special slot and have now got a New Year's Day slot. (laughs) I don't understand what the big deal is. I'm really—if anyone's listening that can explain it to me, please do. Um, Because I've—I just I can't figure it out. It's—it's a seasonal special. Um, It's still doing the same thing. It's still dumbing down and and being big and glitzy and trying to get new viewers.
1: It's interesting that you're you're saying like the ones in the the Moffat era are nicer because they're not overly complicated like the rest of of what they're doing and like yeah that's what turned me off of Doctor Who like Moffat um I think in in one off specials uh, can come up with really great concepts uh, but like as far as overarching stuff yeah it's just too much just just too complicated.
2: Moffat's idea of dumbing down is actually a really good level, whereas Russell T. Davies' idea of dumbing down is like <laughs> He's it's, got the it's fart too, too monsters much. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So
1: their their first Christmas special was the tenant one, wasn't it? With the trees and stuff. Yeah, because like that was the first regeneration and all that that they did. Yeah,
2: but you know, they have their moments.
0: Well, if you had to pick, which is your favorite Doctor Who Christmas special, and which is the absolute worst?
2: All right my my favorite one is either all right I'm going to be really nerdy I I'll give you two favorite ones um my one of my favorites is a christmas carol which is the one where he changes the the life history of this old scrooge type character by going into his past and giving him a romantic relationship it's very beautiful i well up a bit it's lovely my other favorite christmas special is the original christmas special from the 60s um it was the only one they did in the classic era it was back when it was on weekly throughout most of the year and saturday just happened to fall on christmas day that year So um, smack bang in the middle of a 12-part epic with Daleks uh, (laughs) going across the galaxy, destroying everything. The Doctor lands in a police station and um, gets up to all kinds of hijinks and at the end of the episode turns to the camera and raises a toast to everyone at home.
0: (laughs) What's this? We so rarely get a chance to celebrate, but this time we must. Celebrate? Yes. It's Christmas. Don't you remember the police station, Christmas? So it was, yes. Here's a toast. A happy Christmas
1: to all of us. Send <laughs> <laughs> to you, Doctor. Sir? Incidentally.
2: Hey! A happy Christmas to all of you at home. It's terribly silly, <laughs> uh, but, but terribly fun. Wh- which doctor was this? It's William Hartnell sadly oh. one of the ones that's missing it exists as audio only but it, it's such a fun episode um, there's a, a Keystone cop sequence they just they don't take themselves seriously at all it's just um, yeah it's its a complete spoof that sounds great but it's, 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 it's a really good one I'm hoping one day it gets animated um, but even the audio uh, just you can tell it was made with a lot of I guess a lot of love, but a lot of self-referential look. All right, we've had six weeks beforehand of big action stuff, and we've got another five weeks coming up. Let's just chill out and, uh, and kick back and do something ridiculous. So they did the dumbing down thing back then as well. And which, in your opinion, is the worst one? Um... Oh, so many to pick from. Probably that first tenant one. Um, maybe the second tenant one. I, I don't know. It, it would have. To, it. Uh, they're, they're all. All of the twenty first century uh, Christmas ones are, are pretty ropey.
1: Wasn't there the one with the giant uh, angel statue as well? No, no, that wasn't a Christmas one though. That was just one that they did it was in New York or
2: something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Angels take Manhattan. <laughs>
1: Just like Jason before them. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yes. (laughs) It's a Christmas miracle.
0: (laughs) I ask because um, of all the fandoms out there, Doctor Who has one of the most ardent. And Mm. whenever I watch The Doctor, to me, it's always just a pleasant blur. There are episodes (laughs) that I really loved, some really standout work from um, Stephen Moffat and um, even Russell Davies had his moments. I just can't for the life of me remember any, you know, any any real detail about this doctor did that and that doctor did this. And then I see that people are keeping track of it from 30 years ago and 40 years ago. And uh, it's just like, how do you keep it all straight? And how can, at this point, can you complain about canon? But we find a way, don't we? I just remember the last one I saw had Nick Frost as Santa.
2: Oh. That was quite a fun one. That again, though that that was a Moffat one. So that was Moffat trying to do dumb down, and uh, it had some it had some cool plot twists in it that weren't too complicated. And Nick Frost made a good Santa. So yeah, that it was it was a good episode.
1: Matt, you were uh, you were talking about uh, Christmas and sci fi shows in general. Was there other ones you mm. wanted to discuss, or was does this kind of encapsulate the conversation that you wanted?
2: Yeah, I think that's most of it. I mean, um, I, I very recently I'd completely forgotten, but my partner and I are doing a Eureka marathon at the moment, and I'd completely forgotten they did a Christmas special until it came up in rotation about a month or so back. And uh, their Christmas special was really good. It's mostly animated and and a lot of fun. Hmm. But again, uh, the, it came smack bang in the middle of a big story arc, and they just found an excuse to step out of the story arc and do something in cartoon form. Which was original.
1: That sure sounds uh, wild. You've not seen Eureka? I've not oh, seen it's so Eureka. Good. I remember it like it had a buzz when it came out. People were really into yeah, it. I think yeah. my parents watched it, but but I didn't.
0: Did that become a sci-fi original series? Didn't it start on NBC and then wind up on sci-fi? I think that's
2: the way it went.
1: Oh, is that why it got cancelled? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did move to sci-fi halfway through.
1: Yeah, sci fi uh, is kind of a death knell for, for yeah. shows. <laughs> if they move to sci fi, they ain't going to last much longer. Yes. <laughs>
0: well, how about you, Allison? Since uh, Matt pretty much assumed that you guys were talking about the same thing, is your topic going to be Christmas specials today?
1: Well, uh, I've been. My topic is uh, crappy Christmas movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I've been watching a ton of them. I'm talking. Um, mostly like the lifetime hallmark kind of things oh. i've been watching so many of them but <laughs> why there's, do you like, do this to yourself because <laughs> it's looks so they're they're <laughs> they're stupid and they know it they're they know that it's just a, like it's background tv it's like tv where you're gonna like be doing other stuff and like you want something christmasy on Sometimes they hit that perfect note of, like, what are they doing? Like, a nutcracker comes to life and they fall in love. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a knight travels back in time and they fall in love.
2: <laughs> you, you've seen the, the recent Lifetime mini Christmas movie that you know I've seen, right? Have you seen that yet? Yeah. you Are talking about Recipe for Seduction? Yeah, yeah, I am. That
1: ain't Christmas, but it's good. <laughs> it's it's Christmassy, isn't it? They don't have Christmas in it
2: do they Wait, I actually there's like decorations and stuff, right? Yeah, the opening scene when he proposes, it's all over Christmas dinner.
1: Oh, right. Okay, it is a Christmas movie. Uh, Recipe for Seduction's amazing. It's brilliant. <laughs> it, the only th- fault with it is that it's only 15 minutes. I know. <laughs> that is Renee, the um right? for people who don't know, Chris, do you know what we're talking about?
0: No, thankfully. But I have a feeling I'm going to find out. Uh, Oh, you've got to
1: see this, Chris. (laughs) Lifetime teamed up with uh, KFC (laughs) to create... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> an extended ad called "Recipe for Seduction," where Mario Lopez plays the colonel. And he's the the handsome new guy who comes in, and this lady's like um, engaged to be with this other guy, and the the parents, the mom's trying to like uh, arrange this marriage with them, and um, there's this scheme going on. But uh, Mario Lopez comes in, and he's got his secret recipe, and he's so handsome, and it's, it gets like twisted as it goes along, and they play. It completely straight, it's very good.
2: He wears this lovely version of the Colonel's outfit that is cut off at the uh, shoulders so you can just see his muscles throughout <laughs> the whole thing. It's, it's beautiful. Honestly, Chris, it's worth uh, 15 and a half <laughs> minutes of your life. Mario Lopez
1: has got that Christmas market down too. You know why that is? Because he was in one of the original like big... Um, it wasn't a Hallmark movie, but it, it set off this trend of these Christmas romance comedy movies uh, for ABC Family. They did a, a movie called Holiday in Handcuffs. where <laughs> It was him and Melissa Joan Hart, and the plot of it is absolutely insane. So she, she's going home for the holidays, and she's, um, she's embarrassed because she doesn't have a, a guy uh, for some convoluted reason. So she ends up kidnapping this guy to pretend to be her fiancé. <laughs> And so, she kidnaps Maria Lopez and uh, takes her to this like cabin with her family, and so it's a romance kidnapping story. And this was a mega hit. I've not heard of this. This sounds good. Like it did so well for ABC Family that that became the gold standard for these kinds of movies. And so I've I've heard this (laughs) from writer friends that I have that pitch these kinds of movies that they're told like what is the next holiday in handcuffs make it like holiday in handcuffs that's their example wow.
2: Jeez. anyway sorry alison i didn't mean to railroad you you just you said uh, lifetime and it just made me want to talk about that
1: oh yeah yeah that's one of the ones i watched there's a genre now, a, a genre that seems to have picked up a lot of speed within the, the last few years, because Netflix did this original movie called The Christmas Prince.
2: Not heard of that one. You've
1: never heard of The Christmas Prince?
2: Nah. I feel like I should be Googling this right now. I love your incredulity, <laughs> like, what?
1: It, well, it was like a big internet meme. It, it exploded. Everyone was talking about Christmas Prince. So um, the plot of it is like there's an... This has become a genre. Christmas royalty movies, they're all the same movie. So the basic outline is there's a small town um, American woman, usually has a bakery or some sort of restaurant or something. There can be a similar kind of thing. And then a royalty, a prince comes from some made-up country, usually with a British accent. <laughs> it's usually this castle in uh, Germany, I believe, use uses this like exterior shot of it, like the snowy castle that's always the castle. <laughs> that he lives in. <laughs> he comes to this small town and they fall in love and and she uh becomes a princess eventually and um yeah they started with the christmas prince and they've made 3 of them and they get progressively like more ridiculous as they go They're, like by the last one like she's giving birth and signing like a treaty with another country while she's doing it <laughs> <laughs> wow and, like there's so many of these i've been uh reviewing them on letterbox so i can like i can list off some of the
2: ones i've been watching <laughs> (laughs) Let me bring up the list. (laughs) So this must be the most wonderful time of year for you. It's very good. Knowing how much you love bad movies. This (laughs) this is just uh, a dream come true every November, December.
1: Okay, so this was actually before A Christmas Prince. So this was a progenitor to this. Uh, A Princess for Christmas. Uh, And then afterwards, by Fred Olin Ray, prolific uh, director who uh, makes a lot of shitty movies. A Prince for Christmas. (laughs) A Christmas in Royal Fashion. Christmas with a prince. Christmas with a prince becoming royal, which is the sequel to that one. (laughs) Uh, A Christmas
0: princess. Everybody was clamoring for it. They're not even trying, are they?
1: There's so (laughs) many of these. It's great because, like, they act like these, they're usually British. One time it was an Australian guy, but they're usually British guys. And, like, they're the dumbest dudes in the world. They'll show up and, like... One of them didn't know what a sub sandwich was. <laughs> He's like, a submarine sandwich? <laughs> like, what? What? I've never heard of such a thing.
0: <laughs> that was his sheltered royal upbringing, right?
1: I was watching this with one of my other British friends named Matt, and, and he was like, I have a subway down the street. <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, there was one where there was this other guy. He wasn't as dumb as the sub guy, but he didn't know what pigs in a blanket were, a a sleigh or snow angels.
0: (laughs) He is such a hilarious fish out of water. Oh, boy.
1: (laughs) Usually they're, like, they're just, like, window dressing. They're, like, the guys are, like, such non-personalities, like, generically handsome dudes. It's pretty amazing.
0: I mean, do you find that insulting on some level?
1: No, they're, I mean... They're mom porn, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's for mom. And I know this because my mom records all of these kinds of Christmas oh, specials.
0: Bless.
1: Um, but they're fun. Like, there's this cozy feel to them. It's great because there's this, um, There's such a quality difference. Some of them don't give a shit. Other ones really put forth an effort, and other ones, like, have this insane plot, but they don't really care because they're meant to be churned out every year. It's not like they're, like, trying to make this great movie. They're like, what's gonna get- what's a title that people are gonna watch? Like, Never Kiss a Man in a Christmas Sweater. Sure, (laughs) alright. Let's do it. Fur Crazy, where, uh, there's a Christmas tree lot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's pretty good. Oh, I did want to talk about this is not a lifetime movie, but this is one I just watched yesterday and it was absolutely insane and I want to give this a wholehearted recommendation as the next Christmas classic. This goes into another rabbit hole. This is in the Airbud series of movies.
0: <laughs> There's a series
1: of Airbud movies. <laughs> okay, so you guys know Airbud the the dog that plays
2: basketball? <laughs> uh, uh of course not.
1: You don't know Airbud. Okay, there was a movie in the no. 90s called Airbud and a dog plays basketball. There's no rule that it says a dog can't play basketball. And they knew it was ridiculous and they made like several direct-to-video sequels that were like, you know, oh, now it's uh he's playing football. Now he's playing soccer. Now he's
2: playing something else. Chris, you're staying quiet on this. Back me up.
1: <laughs> I knew of
0: Airbud. I did not know that Airbud had become a cottage industry unto itself. <laughs>
2: Oh,
1: there's more. There's more. So after that, they were like, Air Bud's getting kind of old. How do we continue this? We're going to do Air Buddies. It's, it's Air Airbuds puppies. We're going to do Air Buddies <laughs> oh. now. Oh, now we're going to do uh, the pup stars. There's, pu- there's dogs that are pop stars. And so it's just branched into a whole bunch of uh, series of movies in this genre. And uh, Spooky Buddies was one of them is the Halloween one. I think that had to do with the Air Buddies. But anyway... Puppy Star Christmas is what I watched yesterday <laughs> and it was insane and let me tell you I've seen several of these airbud movies and they were not as crazy as this. It would, and, and this had to have been I guess like Puppy Star is spun off from Pop Star which I can only kind of guess from putting together some of this lore in this movie. I haven't seen the ones before it, but it appears it was about like a rapper type dog falling in love with like a pop princess type dog and then in the beginning of this movie they get married and there's like a whole gospel song it's a musical they're doing gospel songs and then dog like this dog on two feet starts dancing in the aisles and i'm like what <laughs> this is like the opening credits are still rolling We're, there's no easing us into this and then these these evil dogs show up oh first they have like a quasi rap slash r&b song with santa and the elves and then the reindeer start like break dancing oh. <laughs> animated what is this no it's live action and there's like somewhat of a budget to it who's watching this i don't know i'm watching this (laughs) and then they have a dog with an eye patch who teams up with this other dog who's hiding in mexico i can only assume he's on the run because he was a villain in the other movies but he's a white dog because they call him a gringo and then he teams up with chihuahua and this dog with an eye patch (laughs) and they decide they're gonna steal christmas and so they like go with this like this uh, human guy uh, to take over the North Pole, and they kidnap Santa and his wife, <laughs> and then the the evil human guy puts uh, his his uh, jacket on Santa's jacket, and he starts Santa Clausing. He's like transforming into Santa Claus, like in the the, the Santa Claus movie, <laughs> and they're like singing about how they've like changed Christmas into like this like the uh, Santa business and making all this money off of it, and then there's an evil Santa song. And then, like, they have to have a redemption arc. And at one point, the evil Chihuahua dog, they remember that, like, they're like, you lost y- your spirit of Christmas after your family died. And they do a flashback to him by, like, five crosses, and it's his family's graves. <laughs> <laughs> it was insane did
0: you finally come up for air you haven't taken a breath in five minutes
1: (laughs) all right all right i'm done i'm sorry i took over completely but please watch this movie i'm concerned that you're getting overheated are you okay (laughs) it was just so damn good
2: (laughs) it's the perfect allison movie (laughs) <laughs> the way you describe it, it sounds like one of those memes that's been doing the rounds for a while, where it's like we fed the entire Harry Potter canon into an AI and it spat out a new Harry Potter movie. It it sounds like the Christmas movie equivalent of that.
1: I can't tell if it's stupid or
2: genius because <laughs> they know it's
1: dumb, <laughs> they know it's a bunch of talking dogs. Uh, oh,
2: it's boy.
1: So good.
0: Holy crap. Yep. Where, where, can we, where, where can one see? Uh, what's this called? Air Buddies Christmas?
1: <laughs> no, this is a Puppy Star Christmas. I watched it on Netflix. Okay. So watch it there. I can't say on international Netflix whether it's available or not, but uh, please seek this movie out. It's very good.
2: Um, I, I'm not generally a big fan of uh, movies about dogs, but <laughs> you, you've sold this one. You have <laughs> sold this one so uh yeah <laughs> i'm thinking patreon watch party oh my goodness <laughs> so if if you search for Poppy star christmas on google uh, you get people also search for uh santa paws Two, the santa pups uh yeah, the yeah. search for santa paws
1: yeah i saw santa paws one did not see santa paws two i saw santa claus but i don't believe i don't believe that's a related film series i think that was just a separate thing about kittens
2: <laughs> oh, oh kitten movies i'll watch
1: kitten movies are rarer because you
2: can it's harder to train cats it's exactly it's much more impressive that they've, they've managed to get a cat to do anything besides <laughs> just look look disappointed wow just wow
1: uh the um grumpy cat's worst christmas ever that was a christmas cat movie that it's surprisingly decent it was a it was a lifetime movie also. <laughs>
2: of course it was.
1: But it was pretty funny and considering that one um the cat literally could not do much of anything because of the the health issues that it had um she couldn't walk or anything, hardly. So they would have to, like, mm-hmm. have her sitting in, like, a basket most of the time. And then, like, a stunt cat would be walking around from, and you'd see it from behind. <laughs> Jeez. But it was a pretty entertaining movie. <laughs> sure. If you say so. <laughs> yeah, like, like, genuinely. I'm not saying it in the ironic way. Like, they knew it was about Grumpy Cat, but it was pretty funny. And, like, it was written pretty
2: cleverly, I thought. So, Chris, do you want to just give up now? <laughs> because I, well, I feel blessed to have gone before Allison.
1: I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: uh, all I can say is this points up how different Allison and I are. And um, my concept of Christmas doesn't involve puppy movies, um, although it does now. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to watch the one that you were just talking
2: about.
1: Guys, please tell me if you watch Puppy Star Christmas. <laughs> I'm dying to know what you think.
2: I I don't know, because the the length of Puppy Star Christmas, it sounds like I could watch uh, Mario Lopez as Colonel Sanders six times, or watch Puppy Star Christmas. I think I'm going to go with the KFC movie. There's no (laughs) rule that says you can't watch both. No, (laughs) no.
0: It is the season of giving, Matt. Yes. The thing that jazzes me about Christmas always has. I've always loved it. It's my favorite holiday. But as I got older... In my 20s, I started to research the sort of the origins of the holiday, the pagan origins, and really delve into a lot of the Christmas folklore. And I got so into that and so into Santa as a consequence that um, like one of my hobbies was collecting Santas and uh, mm. just researching anything I could. About the holiday and about the figure of Saint Nicholas, whether it be historical or the uh, the, the myths that have grown up around different versions of Santa around the world. So, um, I've done a slew of DeFlipside segments on this. Uh, you can you can see it on my website at DeFlipside.com. I'll put a link up on the show notes for this for this show. But that's an interest that has never left me. So I always find when, you know, I'm in a bookstore that I've never been in, I'll always go to like the folklore section to see if I can just find any new book about Christmas. I think the first book I ever stole from a library was like a biography, like a history of St. Nicholas. And um, I still have it on my shelf uh, right behind me. So it's been oh. a real interest of mine. This is year round? Yeah, I mean, I used to listen to Christmas music all year long. I mean, I still will occasionally. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a very big hobby of mine. And I'll still, like, look for obscure things. And it, now it depends on just where I'm at and if I see something. Oh, that's interesting. Like, for the longest time. Um, the last thing that I found that I had never heard of before regarding St. Nicholas or an offshoot of, say, like, the, the, the St. Nicholas legends, they're was a Russian poem called Grandfather Frost. And the only thing that I was able to glean from it was there's a passage where Grandfather Frost grabs a child from behind in the snow and she dies. And I'm like, that is just the fucked up shit that I love to figure out about Christmas. Like, where did this stuff come from? Wow.
1: Is that from – I I think they used a version of that in a movie called uh, Jack Frost – that was this uh, Russo-Finnish uh, co-production that they did on Mystery Science Theater. Yeah, maybe. Um, but That um, sounds very familiar. He, like, touches the girl accidentally and turns her, it freezes her.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not really sure because I have not been able to find a translation of this poem. I always like to go back to, oh, okay. like, the sources to figure out, okay, how, how are they doing it here in this part of the world? Because there are so many local wrinkles that are just so cool. I mean, um, I did a whole piece about... Uh, figure called Yolo Pukie in Finland who has turned into Santa, but it translates. I'm as sorry.
1: What was his name?
0: Yolo Ye- Yellow Yeah. Yolo Puki. Yolo Pukie. It translates into the Yule Goat. And it actually has its origins in northern mythology. When when Thor was traversing the sky, I guess he was like the sun god for them. He would traverse the sky in a chariot pulled by two goats. And at the end oh. of his trip, when night set, he would come down, he would slaughter the goats and eat them. And then in the morning, he would use his hammer to resurrect them and make the trip again. And this went over and We're
1: over. kind of messed up guy? <laughs> Do the goats know this? Are they like living in hell? (laughs) Don't
0: ask me. Don't ask me. But um, from what I can ascertain, this is a lot of the origin for the Krampus stories that that sprung up because Krampus is just like this big black goat that will, you know, abduct children, put them in sacks, whip them with switches and generally punish the bad and that was another thing that always fascinated me so, i guess because i was in my 20s so i was i was exploring like religions and i was exploring like mythology and i was looking for anything that sort of bucked the wholesome christmas um ideal peace on earth goodwill towards men and all that and i'm thinking no this is a pagan holiday yeah
1: but you ever heard about krampus man (laughs) he's like dark santa (laughs) right
0: and whoa you know what 25 year old is in a self-righteous asshole and i certainly was i was like yeah i'm finding (laughs) the truth this is this is some (gasps) deep
1: shit man (laughs) 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 this is the christmas they don't tell you about in school (laughs)
2: But I still find it fascinating. <laughs> no, this is really interesting. I can picture young Chris a lot better now. <laughs> <laughs> With my mullet, my yeah. wicked
0: Christmas knowledge. I'm going to lay down some lore <laughs> for you guys. But yeah, so I mean, that's, that's made, I've maintained an interest in that stuff. And I'm always looking for something new. The greatest thing I've read in a long time, Christmas related. I finally read Nutcracker and Mouse King by E.T.A. Hoffman. And uh, it's where the ballet of the Nutcracker comes from. It's like the origins of of the ballet. But it was actually a story written by this German surrealist author named E.T.A. Hoffman. And um, it is the most psychosexual (laughs) fucked up thing you have ever read about, like, this mouse coming to life and um, kidnapping this girl to make her his bride. And... It is just completely oh. messed up. It is hilariously screwed
1: up. It sounds much better than the Nutcracker ballet, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I honestly
0: don't know how they get
1: one from the other, but... Uh. Yeah, yeah, I've seen some elements of that in uh, other adaptations of the Nutcracker, but, um, you know, it's always very uh, kiddified or hmm. borified. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: This certainly is not that at all.
1: Wow. I didn't know it was based on a book.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of books ever since I read that I've been looking for stuff from E.T.A. Hoffman. He wrote another book called The Golden Bowl, which um, is uh, like it has something to do with the devil. And there was another one that's escaping my memory right now. But he's just like so wonderfully screwed up.
1: Mm. (laughs) When, When was this written? Ah, uh, let me see. Let when, me... W- it had to have been, what, seventeen? not 1700s. Maybe um, 1700s? Give me a second. I'm going to just pull it right off my shelf here. I think the the Nutcracker ballet, at least, is is Victorian era. Maybe 1800s then? I always forget what century the
2: <laughs> Victorian era is. How did, as, as a culture, how did we move from this to puppies at Christmas? I, <laughs> I, I, I just, I do not understand. No, I was just thinking about, I just saw a
1: Nutcracker adaptation uh, from... I think, in 1990-something, that was called The Nuttiest Nutcracker. And let me tell you, I don't think this was what he envisioned when he wrote that book. I don't, there was just a bunch of food come to life, uh, and they were all nut-related, of course. Well, not all nut-related. Some of them weren't nuts. It was kind of hard <laughs> to tell what they were. The CGI was really bad. <laughs> Jim Belushi was the Mouse King. And he wanted to, uh, yeah, he wanted to marry the the little girl. And I think this is one of the few adaptations I've seen that actually kept that element, so maybe it is one of the more faithful adaptations <laughs> of the story.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry I just came back. Um, I can't find it. Yeah. Where, where it should be on my shelf is a space, so it means I took it out, and mm. I don't know where I put it. So I'm just gonna have to Google it like a normal person. It's a Christmas mystery. That's right. Somebody stole it.
1: Do, do you like the Nutcracker Ballet, Chris? I've
0: never seen a ballet, believe it or not. I've seen people dance ballet as parts of operas. But very rarely, um, I enjoyed it when I saw it in that context. I wouldn't, I wouldn't turn down a trip to the ballet. But I've never seen the Nutcracker, and that's a huge Christmas tradition in New York. Uh, performance of the Nutcracker. I forget where they do it, but uh, they do it every year. It's like going to see the tree.
1: I saw the um, the Nutcracker ballet recently for the first time, and uh, man, let me tell you, I just do not like the Nutcracker. <laughs> yeah (laughs) but i mean uh i probably would like that book but as far as the ballet and all that like the story is just like it it doesn't grab me but the version i saw they filmed in the 90s with macaulay culkin playing oh i think i
0: remember that yeah
1: and they just filmed a a stage version of it and a lot of people like gave him shit like they were like oh yeah macaulay culkin's so bad in it." and it's like i don't i mean i think for a kid his age who is not trained as a ballet dancer like he did mm-hmm. pretty well uh but like the thing is it was just a ballet i think it's not for me <laughs> <laughs> okay you know but it was interesting to see and i felt a little bit more cultured i suppose oh, seeing good. it um you know it's not not really my bag but uh i appreciate the the craftsmanship that went into it
0: and the music is is you know legendary now i mean everybody knows the nutcracker suite
1: oh yeah yeah and it's public domain isn't it that's why you hear it and everything yeah
0: <laughs> I would guess so. Maybe I'll use it to score this, uh, the show. But yeah, the story was written in 1816. Okay. Mm. In which young Marie Steinbaum's favorite Christmas toy, the Nutcracker, comes alive and after defeating the evil mouse king in battle, whisks her away to a magical kingdom populated by dolls. And Tchaikovsky, I guess when he did the music, this was, of course, his... uh, Ah, oh, wow, there was an Alexander Dumas adaptation of the story.
1: Was Tchaikovsky the guy who donated his skull to the Shakespearean company for... for... I have no idea. What? <laughs> the what? Okay, I need to look this... Up. How, uh, how do I spell Tchaikovsky? Oh, I, I actually... Wa- I, have it, I have it up here
0: now. Let's see, death. That's hilarious. Is
1: this the same guy, Tchaikovsky?
0: Yeah, I mean, he's composer.
1: Well yeah, I just making sure I wasn't confusing him with another Tchaikovsky. I don't wanna <laughs> Yeah. So he donated his skull um to the the Royal Shakespeare Company, uh to be used in Hamlet, which they did in secret up until David Tennant what's told everyone in 2008 what and they got too creeped out about it like people were like ew i don't i'm creeped out that you're using a real human skull in this and so like they're like okay okay we won't do it anymore sorry guys and then they secretly still kept using the human skull.
2: <laughs> how did i not know this that's amazing and it all
1: turns go- it goes into our doctor who discussion it all comes
2: it all comes, it all comes back to doctor who
1: i found this out yesterday guys this is kismet that's crazy <laughs> Wow. That's absolutely crazy.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Well, if anybody's interested in, you know, more folklore traditions, again, it's on flipside.com. I think I did a whole thing about The Nutcracker and The Mouse King as well. And um, I'm just curious to know, like, other movies aside from the pet movies. Because of my mm-hmm. Santa obsession, I was looking at a lot of weird stuff. And there was this one, I want to say it was by K. Gordon Murray. It was just a movie called Santa Claus. And in this movie, Santa's at the North Pole with a bunch of children from, like, every nation, and they're singing these weird songs. And then he goes out, and the actual devil, they go down to hell, not Santa Claus, but the movie pans down from the North Pole down into hell, where the devil's angry that Santa Claus is making everybody happy, so he sends a demon out to defeat santa claus and like thwart oh you're talking
1: about i I just wanted to i know what you're talking about i'm so sorry to railroad you this is a different guy i think with the skull though oh i mean i'm gonna i think this is a different uh, this is tchaikovsky i think a different uh composer okay but still i just wanted to correct this is a different guy (laughs) peter ilovich tchaikovsky yeah, this is a different, uh, see, they have very similar names, but they're they're both composers. <laughs> I was very confused there okay anyway i'm sorry please please start again with the no i was just wondering if you guys
0: had ever seen that santa claus film at all
1: that's called the santa claus or it's just called santa claus i believe but it's a it's a mexican film
0: yeah it's an exploitation i believe
1: it's a it's like a traditional film there. like they they air it a lot and uh i saw it on mystery science theater they did a riff of that back in the day it's very funny. Oh, really? Yeah, they um it was like Pitch was the name of the like demon yes. that he's fighting through the movie <laughs> and he's got like Merlin up in his like little cloud city full of like racial stereotype children. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, that's the one. What I I seem to be missing out on a lot here. All right. It's a bizarre movie. Every Christmas, it's it's the same very safe series of movies that I watch. I I feel like this year uh, I've got a week left to um to try and get a bit experimental and uh, and watch some of these new ones I've never heard of before. Tomorrow night was supposed to be Twelve Dates of Christmas, but uh,
1: Twelve Dates of Christmas is great. I watched that the other day. I've not seen
2: it. I've not uh, yeah, seen it. Yeah, that's the one with the, Mark, Mark Paul, Paul Gosselaar. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 that I've one was, got to watch that was that. pretty
1: decent actually.
2: But I don't know, you guys. You're, you're introducing me to a whole new world of slightly edgier stuff. Well, if you
0: want to, I think it's on Netflix. If you want to see something that's really trippy but new and um, disturbing Santa stuff, it's called Rare Exports, and it delves more into the Yolo Pukey stuff, but um, it just takes this weird turn at the end, and it is one of the most amazing movies I've ever seen. I, I, I can't really describe it without spoiling it, but it's basically about a kid in Finland. There's like a mining operation in, like in the mountains behind his house. And it turns out that they're unearthing the, the original Santa, Yolopuki, who's not like a good guy. It just, it has this surreal ending that is absolutely gonzo. And um, to me, it's like an instant classic. I'm surprised that it doesn't have more widespread recognition because it came out years ago. It's the last piece of physical media I actually bought because I didn't have any kind of streaming capability. And I had read about it and I said, I have to see this movie. And I had to order it special from like a specialty shop uh, by my house that, that dealt in this kind of thing.
1: That's uh, on Netflix right now, I believe. I think it might uh, be. It ha- it has somewhat of a cult following, because I do remember hearing about it, but I didn't... Uh... I didn't see it, but maybe I'll check it out this year.
0: Yeah, I recommend watching it. I mean, it's not that long. And um, if you don't like it at the end, then I I can't help you. Sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We'll blame you. I can get into the occasional Dark Christmas movie. I did really enjoy Krampus. Krampus is fun. Yeah, the one with Adam Scott that came out like a a few years ago. It's really well done and lots of cool practical effects. Uh, Kind of a stone cold bummer, but (laughs) (laughs) but it's a really well done movie. It's genuinely creepy, too. They have a part where there's like mm. this, like, toy jack-in-the-box thing that, like, is swallowing someone up, and it's got this big mouth, and, like, <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> you ever watch that one, Chris?
0: No, um, I hadn't really heard of it, uh, but someone else had mentioned it just last week to me, so it's, it sort of just got on my radar.
1: That'd be up your alley, if you like the kind of darker Christmas movies. Yeah, you know, the thing is, what, I'm not crazy about, like, slasher
0: christmas movies Mm. you know and if it's more of like a slasher horror thing
1: i don't think it really is it it reminds me of like gremlins or that kind of thing where it's got horror elements but it's not like you know gotcha not really slasher i would say all right
0: all right so i mean yeah i'm I'm just vomiting all of my uh my pagan lore all over you guys merry christmas (laughs) (laughs) it's
2: fascinating though we learn new stuff about you every edition of fangent chris I have many things to say about many a topic. That's what my wife, that's
0: how she describes me. So. That's, that's a very polite way of putting
1: it. <laughs> you got that big brain and you like fill it with like all sorts of cool knowledge and not like just random movies. Like what's that like? <laughs> oh, there are plenty of random movies up there too. That's fine. <laughs>
0: I mean, I was also thinking I haven't seen The Ref in years, and that's one of my absolute favorite Christmas movies. So
1: I used to be on Comedy Central all the time. I remember The Ref being on there.
0: So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I have more mundane. Our go-to's every year are pretty much the same. We love Christmas Vacation. We love uh of course a Christmas story. It's a wonderful life. You know, I I do have normal interests outside of the esoteric stuff.
1: <laughs> oh, this is great. I like these cuz I feel like uh I I feel like I'm a little more educated after these talking to both you, you know. You guys like ta- taught me about a lot of stuff here. Learning about uh Christmas markets and uh and evil um, yule goats and <laughs> spotted dicks. <laughs> how much I will retain, I don't know, but I'm I'm glad to to have been a part of this.
0: <laughs> All right, so uh, in the spirit of the holiday, I want to ask you guys one last question: What is your favorite Christmas tradition,
1: Allison? Um, when I was a kid, I used to go to a thing called Zoo Lights. At the Phoenix Zoo, I I grew up in Arizona and uh, at night they would, uh, when most of the animals were asleep, they would put up all these lights. A lot of them were animated and shaped like animals, like they'd be like a leopard leaping across whatever and stuff like that. And we would uh, draw Christmas cards and uh, you'd get like a free ticket to go if like the kids drew Christmas cards. And so we would do that uh, most years. And uh, yeah, that was a really fun, uh, great memory for me.
2: Cool. How about you, Matt? Besides watching Doctor Who, (laughs) um, which which has been ripped away from us uh, recently. um, Honestly, very similar to Alison's. There's a a local National Trust Park that uh, every year puts on a light show after hours. Um, so no animals. Um, it, it's just a, a park and some nice some nice grounds and uh, a nice mansion in the middle of it. Uh, but they, they do this gorgeous uh, light show that we go to every year. And um, yeah, it's very, very pretty. And I was very pleased that they were able to do it this year, uh, despite everything going on. Uh, it still went ahead. Yeah, it's nice.
1: That sounds nice. Yeah,
0: very much so. How about you, Chris? Um, I'd have to say most recently, it's just the most tacky tourist thing, but I love going to Rockefeller Center to see the tree and um, Aww, going up and down like Fifth Avenue and just seeing all the window displays. It's kind of a madhouse. It's mm. kind of a zoo. And just people are packed in, you know, cheek to cheek because it's just such such a destination this time of year. But I love it all the same, and um, I really miss it. I'm sorry that, uh, you know, I'm, the tree is still there, but I'm not going into the city anytime soon. Not, till there's a, not until there's a freaking, you know, vaccination that I can have against this dumb virus. But um, I don't think that that tradition's going anywhere soon. So uh, hopefully one day we'll all be able to meet in the city and, uh, you know, you guys can come and experience it with me. I'd love that. Yeah, that'd be great. All right, guys, I'm going to draw the curtain on this episode of Fangent. I just want to from the bottom of my heart thank you both for all of the great work that we do together and the friendships that we've formed over the last couple of years doing the podcast and I'm very happy to share my Christmas with both of you. Thank you so much.
2: Oh thank oh, you. Merry Christmas.
0: Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas Matt. Merry Christmas Allison. Merry Christmas one and all to all of you listening from from our families to your families. We wish you nothing but health. Happiness and the best in 2021. If you would like to hear more shows like this, you can find them on our Patreon site. That's Patreon.com/slash QuantumLeapPodcast. For just five dollars a month, you can gain access to exclusive content like this and other shows that we do for our Patreon audience. Once again, that's Patreon.com/slash QuantumLeapPodcast.